I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh. Union of the Unwanted live August 8th, 2022. Ricky, please take it away. What's up? Another episode of the Union of the Unwanted every other Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, live streamed on Rockfin. Go to the Union of the Unwanted.com to find all our links. Uh, like typical Union of the Unwanted style, we have some new faces, old faces, uh, a little bit of everything. And uh, Susie, I hope you stick around because I actually want to go to you first because I know you had some stuff you want to work on, you, you've been working on. But also we have Brooke Jackson, first time on the Union of the Unwanted. Happy birthday to Scott from Rebunked Podcast. I almost said Truthzilla. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Thank you, Ricky. Yeah, you guys did some great work with Truthzilla, but Rebunk Podcast is killing that. Please check it out if you haven't. And uh, so I don't know what you guys want to jump in with, but we there's so much to talk about. I know uh, Susie's been doing some great work and is always uh, keeping up with the, the COVID-related news, vaccine-related news, and all that type of stuff. Susie, do you want, is there anything you want to you wanna jump in on? And then we can start expanding on that. I can jump in. I'm going to let you guys know that I am in the belly of the beast. I'm currently sitting in the Senate and Assembly chambers out in uh, Sacramento, California. They have a temporary um, Senate and House building right now while the Capitol is under construction. So I was on the Senate and Assembly joint floors today for some voting sessions, and now I am here. So I have the legislators walking past me while I am talking about this legislation um, that is here in California and across the country. In California, Senate Bill 866 is my concern. It's a minor consent bill. We have 12-year-olds and up able to consent to not just COVID, but all vaccines um, without parental consent and even knowledge. So that means that your 12-year-old can go and get um, vaccinated for anything. They could come home and have an adverse reaction. They could pass out. They could have a seizure. Anything could happen, and the parent will never know what's going on. So I am out here fighting that BS, trying to make sure that our children are not subjected to this. Our kids don't know their family medical history. They don't know what their any kind of adverse reactions they previously had. They do not have the mental capacity, the brain capacity, or the development to be able to make, be making these potentially life-altering decisions. So I'm encouraging everyone, go to your legislative website, check it out, see if there's any legislation in your state that is along these lines, and fight back. I miss the good old days when kids used to sneak around and get tattoos underage. Now they're going to get vaccines. <laughs> right? This is diabolical. Yeah, so they can go and get treated for sexually transmitted diseases and everything else as well under these, you know, these types of um, legislation from state to state. So it's it's gotten to the point now where it is just a full-on attack against our children. Again, I apologize for the background noise. Legislators are walking past here. Um, it is a full-on attack on our children, and we cannot sit idly by and watch this happen. We have to fight back, you guys. We have to. And. Obviously, this is scary because of some of the information that our Pfizer whistleblower has has uh, made public. Uh, Brooke Jackson, for people who are listening who might not be familiar with a little bit of your background, your origin story, uh, yeah. why we call you the Pfizer whistleblower, you mind sharing that with us? <laughs> not at all. So I am a 20-year career uh, researcher 
I spent most of my time in clinical research at the site level. So where the patients are actually enrolled into a study and are followed throughout, you know, the course of, of their journey in, in the study. So from start to finish, um, I was a director of operations before taking a new position at a local company uh, called Ventavia Research Group. And I was only, I was only employed with Ventavia for 18 days. After um, I walked in, I noticed that, you know, they were participating in Pfizer's COVID-19 COVID vaccine trial. And from the moment that I walked in the door, I recognized that there were, there were serious problems. Um, I tried like hell to, to get them to listen to my advice as a regional director, um, you know, use my experience, make things right. And they just were more interested in, in lining their pockets. You know, they were paid mainly on a per patient basis. So every patient they enrolled into the trial, they were paid for. Um, I took the information that I was finding during my auditing and review of every patient's chart to my leaders every single day. We had a, an 8 a.m. call every morning. So I came with my list of, of findings and at first they were really, you know, receptive to my suggestions and, and what I was finding. And I think that it just got to a point where I was bringing up so much and they were just overwhelmed with, with the amount of problems. We were understaffed and they eventually just told me to start putting things on a list. And so I did. And at that point I started really documenting what I was finding. Um, and photographs and, you know, pictures and just, just documenting what I was finding. I took that information to Pfizer, although I did that anonymously, and they, they just were kind of, I guess, you know, um, instead of making money, they were, they were interested in being first to market. You know, when I look back at the, the emergency use authorization that was first given for the 16 and older, that was on December 11th of 2020, and Moderna was one week behind them. So I, I, I know they were they were in a rush. What I was finding was glaring. It wouldn't have taken an expert like myself to to walk into Ventafia and see what was going on. And I finally, after after I I realized the last thing that I saw was issues with the temperature storage of the of the product. So from the time we received it, which was in July through September 24th, we were not monitoring the temperature of the product. So it was out of the range of minus 70, which was required. And at that point, I just said, okay, I, I have to take this information to the FDA. My company is not doing anything. Pfizer's not doing anything. And so I did that on the morning of September 25th of 2020. And it took about six and a half hours and I lost my job. They, ca they called and, and fired me on the spot and said that I was not a good fit, which is true. <laughs> Does anybody have any questions for Brooke? Anybody who hasn't heard the story? Oh, Miriam? Yeah. Hi, Brooke. Nice to meet Hi. you. Hi. Nice to meet you too. Um, wow, you're gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's you're nice. welcome. And I'm thank 49. You. <laughs> oh, even better. I'm right behind you. <laughs> my my dad worked uh, for Pfizer as a mechanical engineer. And my mom is now a vaccine injured from Pfizer. I'm just curious, um, 
well, for, first, I believe that, you know, it's fine to ask some questions, but then they're like, oh, she's not going away. This is going to be a problem. And right. at the same time, I called Pfizer and they also want to collect the data and they don't share it with VAERS, but they are keeping track because we're the lab rats. I'm curious, why do you, why, what was your feeling on the temperature of these? Because there was all these stories about these freezer farms, and then it kind of went away. And I'm curious what you saw in regards to what might be thawing inside the body. Thank you. Sure, sure. Good question. You know, I there's a, a protocol that Pfizer provides, and it's a step-by-step -step manual on how the, the conduct of the trial should, should go. The temperature had a, um, you know, was minus 70. You could go a little bit above that or you could go a little, you know, under that. But anything outside of that range, the product should have been immediately taken and quarantined. No further enrollment, no new patients enrolled until Pfizer was notified and able to make the determination whether or not the product was stable based on that minimum, maximum temperature range. What it does to the product, I don't want to speculate because I don't think that we have that complete picture yet. You know, when when the cold chain issue was was a was a problem, um, they changed it. It no longer had to be be kept at minus seventy. It was now only re required to be kept at you know minus twenty. So that's been my experience in in this whole ordeal. Um, you know, when when something's out of range or they don't like the definition of something it's just, it's just changed to kind of fit what they need it to so sorry i can't answer your question I, again i just don't think that we have the full the full picture yet of of what it does you know i don't even know that we know what the ingredients of the product are fully why don't why aren't there more of you brooke that's a wonderful question i don't know thank you I wish there were. I mean, there, there certainly. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't have been the only one that saw this this behavior from Pfizer. I've been in contact with other patients from outside of my trial site that have told me this stuff was going on, but no, no, no researchers, no researchers that are that are willing to come forward and at least say or you know explain what they saw. I've had three people from Ventalvia that have come come to me directly, and um, they did that when I uh, when they were being interviewed by the British Medical Journal. But they won't go they won't go public with their name. Hey Brooke, this is Scott from Rebunk News. Good to see you again. Hey, what's uh, up? Hey, uh, so man, I, I was hoping to get some more updates about like so now you're in a actual case, legal case against. Pfizer, right? And uh, their defense is like what, what I heard is so preposterous. Like they said that they were able to cut corners. Like this is actually their legal defense. They're able to cut corners because the government said it's okay for them to cut corners. Am I right on that? Can you kind of yeah. tell us a little bit more about? Yeah, absolutely right. That? So yeah. when, when I realized, when I got fired, I, I went through like this, this like grieving period almost. I'd never been fired before. Um, I didn't know what to do. I, I kind of saw it coming, um, you know, a little bit because I kept bringing this information forward and just the way that the, the air shifted a little bit, you know. 
Um, so my husband and I talked about it and that's when I decided, you know, to go forward. But, you know, I did that in September of 2020 before any approvals were given. Um, I, I, I trusted my industry. I trusted my government. Say what you want. But I did. OK, I don't I'm not a political person. I'm busy. My kids play sports. I play volleyball. I just don't turn on the TV. I don't do social media. So I guess, you know, I, I wasn't paying that much attention. And I guess I thought that, you know, I've been in research for 20 years. I know that when I work on a study that I'm going to do it right, because when I'm done, then it goes to the next person. It goes to the FDA. And it's their job to look over that data that I collected that I have to make sure is full of integrity and sound and accurate and complete and not false, not fabricated, not made up, not, you know, what, what Pfizer did in their COVID trial. So I, I had a little, I had a lot of trust and I gave it very freely and without a lot of question. And that's one of my biggest regrets in this whole thing, but, but I watched and after September of 2020, it wasn't until January of 2021 that I filed the lawsuit against Pfizer. I gave the FDA an opportunity to go into Ventavia, take, take my credible, I'm a credible person. I talked to the inspector at FDA for over an hour. She knew what was going on. At least go and look and see if what I'm telling you is accurate and, and they're so, um, you know, um, they have people that are, this is all they do all day. They inspect clinical trials. And so they would, I imagine they, they would have found more than, than what I did. And so I gave them until January. So from September to January, FDA, Pfizer had enough time to make the decision one to not include the data in their overall safety and efficacy analysis that happened. They included it um, and for them to shut Ventavia down, which is exactly what needs to happen. That business needs to go down immediately. And when I filed the lawsuit in January of 21, it immediately went under seal. And because of the type of case it is, it's a false claims act case. And because it went under seal, I wasn't able to, <clears throat> pardon me, speak about it. And this is where the trusting in my government part came. I, uh, you know, once I filed, they have an initial 60 days to investigate the allegations. And the reason, so your audience understands, the reason that it goes under seal is so that the government has an opportunity to investigate without tipping off Pfizer or my, my former company. So it goes under seal. No one knows. I can't talk about it. There's a gag order. And they have 60 days to investigate. After that 60 days expired, which was in March of 2021, they requested another six month seal extension and they were given that by the court. And so I'm watching all these, you know, emergency use authorizations being given to 16 and older and then to adolescents and then to, you know, um, boosters. And, you know, it just, I just watched all of this happen and knowing that this data that was collected at Ventavia could have easily been thrown out. But there was a reason they didn't throw it out. And I, I think it helped boost their, you know, um, their efficacy data. Um, so long story short, you know, I, I watched as, as all these things happened, 
and felt just this weight on my heart that I had this secret that I wanted everybody to know just how Pfizer's clinical trials were run. I think people deserve to know that. And so in September of, of 2021 is when I took the, the information to the British Medical Journal and they, they published a peer reviewed article and that went out on November 2nd of, of 2021. And just, just so I'm clear, there, there was still an, uh, an order, a gag order, but I only took the facts. I never revealed that there was a case pending and that's what I had done, you know, over these months, over the course of those months, it was under seal, was just do case study, uh, law review. And I found a case where very similar situation, a woman wanted to come forward with, you know, what she blew the whistle about and was able to do that without revealing that there was a case. So there was that precedent there. So that that's what I did. Doctor, can, can you hear me? So my yep. mic work. Okay. Yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, Brooke, I I've gotten to interview uh, a number of whistleblowers over the last several years, and and all of them, every last one of them, trusted the institution that they worked in. They trusted that the process that was put in place before they ever got there was going to be the process that that was the right course of action to do. There is absolutely nothing wrong or no need to apologize for believing that the place that you work was going to perform the bare basic minimum functions of their job. There's nothing wrong with that. What's insane is that you have to come on Union of the Unwanted to talk about it. What is out of pocket is that here we are, April 8 or August of, of 2022, having this conversation without any of these people in shackles or in the stocks and a bunch of kids who have been abused or victimized by these injections throwing tomatoes at them that's out of pocket thank you for coming forward thank you for doing what you did we were in contact months ago and i had a bunch of technical weird things happen would love to have you on the show um you and and yeah just again like there's nothing wrong with thinking that you know where you work is going to step up for you when you have something that everyone needs to know that should help them save face but because of the systems that we have in place, the saving face comes from silencing whistleblowers and punishing truth tellers. It's true. It's true. Oh, Dr. Ely, you, you had a question? Yeah. Um, so a couple things. Number one, um, Brooke, I, I don't know if the case is still progressing mm -hmm. or not. All right. Um, I hope your legal team is pursuing uh, willful misconduct that you reported this to FDA. Somebody knew about this and did nothing is an example of willful misconduct. Sure. And, and the significance of willful misconduct, it's something we're we're going after in our grand jury petition that's in the Ninth Circuit Court right now as well. Um, the importance to that is that it creates a breach on the PrEP Act and the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And it allows people who have been injured by the shots to finally sue these bastards into oblivion. So whoever gets there first, I know David Martin just sent me something. He's working on that, too. We're all working on the same thing. But if we can prove willful misconduct, the house of cards falls, you know, so that's what that's where we're all after. And I think you're you're positioned beautifully um, to do that. When I read the stuff that came out of BMJ and everything um, and all right. that. Um, right. Uh, well, wait so, till you hear Pfizer's defense. It's absolutely 
um, stunning. So um, kind of what we were talking about before. So, you know, um, the Department of Justice in January of 2022 this year declined to intervene and take over the action. Okay. They did that with us too. Did they? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what that means is they don't want to, um, again, take over the case. They're not going to pursue any um, any charges, mm-hmm. but it did allow me as the, as the uh, relator to move forward with the case on my own. Beautiful. So in uh, April of 22 this year, I filed a $1.9 billion lawsuit against Pfizer and their contractor icon and their contractor and my former employee employer, sorry, Ventalia research group. Dope. So I did that. Yeah, I did right. that. Um, our, our legal team has grown quite a bit. I'm, I'm excited to have, you know, new, new attorneys. Robert Barnes is my lead attorney. Mm-hmm. Warner Mendenhall has, has joined. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he's, he's on it now. So I just, um, you know, Pfizer's motion to dismiss is, is based on one, a, a key component in the false claims act. Um, and that is materiality. So Pfizer is saying that because I contacted the FDA and the FDA was aware of the fraud, that my lawsuit um, and claims are immaterial. They don't matter because the government knew. That's one. (laughs) Wow. What bullshit. Such bullshit. Absolutely. (laughs) And two, the Department of Defense and Pfizer are who entered into contract with, with one another. They signed what's called an other transactions authority contract. And that type of contract that they negotiated does not require Pfizer to follow any rules that govern clinical research or that govern these standard, you know, federal um, acquisition regulations. They don't. So that is their their second grounds for for dismissal. One, they didn't have to do, they didn't have to um, follow any of these regulations that govern research. And two, the FDA knew, and therefore, um, the case should be dismissed. It's like it's almost like willful misconduct is their defense, Doctor E. That's that's so that's, that's their defense. They're like, is. well, well, they they told us we could do it, and nobody said we couldn't. So you know. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I, here's my question for you, Brooke. Um, we looked at the Pfizer. Uh, my team looked at the Pfizer, um, uh, our, you know, stuff that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine when it first came out in December 2020, right? Yes. And the thing, and we contacted Pfizer on this. Of course, got ghosted. They never got back to us. What do you want to know? I might be able to tell you. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping you can. We found that there were 3,861 enrolled participants who were not included in the final efficacy analysis. And we found that there were 6,292 enrolled participants not included in the final safety analysis for the product. So mm-hmm. how do we get that information to find out what happened to those people that were removed from the efficacy analysis and, and were removed from the safety analysis? Sorry, I can't answer that. I'm kidding. I, I think you're going to have to wait until we have the full release of documentations from the PHMBT lawsuit. You know, Pfizer and FDA wanted this information about their clinical trial hidden for 75 years. As you all know, we would all be dead and gone by then. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to have to wait. I mean, we're getting little bits and pieces every month on the first. They they drop the data, and I'm working with Naomi Wolf's group and that group of you know volunteers is kind of broken down into a, a very small group. I think there's maybe six or eight of us that are mining through the data and trying to answer these questions for, for the world. But that's that's a, that's a good one, and and we're getting there. We're just we're just not quite there yet. Is there any possibility those people passed? Is the thought is that one of the suppositions? That's, a, that's, exact, that's exactly my thought, Miriam. Is that those are the people that either had severe adverse events or got sick again? They would have thrown off the ninety five percent BS calculation for efficacy. They would have thrown off and shown that there was enough people with severe uh, adverse events, including death. That would it would have it would have warranted a shutdown and sending the clinical trial back into phase one or phase two um, reevaluation, mm-hmm. and they couldn't have that done because, as Brooke was alluding to, there was a race to be first, and you know, mm-hmm. fools rushed in, unfortunately, as well. Yeah. So until you have that full picture, you know, from from the documents, I think it's hard to to make assumptions, and I. In, in this whole thing, I've learned I've learned so much, guys. It's it's going on into like two plus years for me. Um, I can't be wrong in anything that I have to say because you know Pfizer is right there to to catch me, and you know I I just cannot be. Um, that's why I'm careful about what I say on. But actually, not not so much anymore. Um, but I'm careful about what I say, and I can't be wrong because. You know, the story is just too important. And I, I I'll always say this isn't my story. You know, I just was there. I witnessed it. And I'm I'm just showing the world what what I saw. And that's through not just my voice, but through company documents, Pfizer and my former employer, um, you know, recordings, photographs. It's not my story. This is what I documented. And, and I'm sharing because it, it needs to be known. There has to be accountability on, on Ventavia, Icon, Pfizer, FDA, CDC, HHS, OIG, DOJ. I've talked to them all. Every single one of them knows about this. And Ventavia has yet to be inspected by the FDA. They will not walk in there. I have a question, Brooke. Hi. Hi again. If, if, uh, so when you call the line to leave your adverse reaction and they're collecting all that data, what, what's the, what's the process or the goal uh, other than internally seeing what's going on? Are they, do they release that? Does that ever get to someone in your department? Is there a crossover? Does that you mean when a, you mean when a patient reports a, um, adverse event, what happens? What, what does, what do they do with all that data? Because there's people who are working full time to collect adverse reactions. And does it go into some central database that trickles into these clinical trials that haven't even concluded that are happening in real time? Mm-hmm. So the setting that I was in was in the phase three clinical trial. So this was before any approvals. This is before any of the, you know, um, collection and VAERS. So this is during um, during the trial. 
So during that time, you know, they were looking to enroll about 44,000 patients uh, over 153 clinical trial sites in six different countries. As patients are enrolled into the study, they're done at different site locations. There's a principal, doc, uh, principal investigator or study doctor, a main one at each location. And then they have sub investigators that are there to back them up. And then you have your research staff. So as a patient enrolls into the trial, after they sign informed consent, every, everything is collected either on paper or in an electronic uh, source document. So if you're enrolled and you call the site, you're sick, you've been in a car accident, you break your arm, whatever, whatever it is, that information is documented and then put from that source document into Pfizer's database. It's called EDC or an electronic case report form, okay? What Pfizer does, once all the information is collected during their study, you know, all the adverse events, all of the serious adverse events, all the labs that might've been collected, what your COVID test was, if you had a had an illness visit, everything's documented in this, in this database. <clears throat> and then at the end of their trial, they will do an analysis on all that data. And that analysis is what's submitted to the FDA. So, yeah. Unless the FDA walks into any particular location and inspects that site, they have no idea that the data that Pfizer presented them is true and accurate. That is so nuts, especially when you consider that in 1982, they took out all the, all the Tylenol based on seven or eight deaths. And we're at like 1.3 million plus adverse reactions. It's so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, yo. Yes. And I've seen in, in a patient that was at my clinical trial site, had a heart attack, developed a pneumonia the next day. All this is documented. There's an audit trail in this database of Pfizer's. And you can see my site is actually documenting everything as they should have. The patient recovers. Well, let me talk, let me back up a little bit. But while he's in at inpatient, he's tested for COVID. He tests negative for COVID, is discharged with a diagnosis of a heart attack and pneumonia. So that's entered into Pfizer's database. Pfizer comes back and asks my site, my former employer, to change the diagnosis of just pneumonia. It was just pneumonia to a COVID-19 related pneumonia. That's documented, I have it, and it's not just at my site. I've looked at these case report forms from all the sites where they've been released, and I'm finding very, very similar requests to change records. And, um, you know, this, this particular patient I was just, just mentioning was a patient that was in the placebo arm. So I, I know why they're requesting the site to change it. And this is one thing I will, I will say about Ventavi. I'm proud of them. They did not do it. They said, based on the history, the discharge uh, instructions for the patient, this is not a COVID-19 related pneumonia. Brooke, I have a kind of a personal question for yeah. you. I, I've heard, I know somebody who her daughter got uh, expelled from school because of something she tweeted. And then everybody here probably knows, and maybe you know, 
Brandy Vaughn was a whistleblower for um, vaccines and she thought that they were out to get her and she died a very suspicious death. I think we can all a lot of people here think that's was suspicious. And um, when you said that you just you, you became a whistleblower, you asked your husband or whatever, did you have a, a real fear of repercussions to your family or um, were you just like not? clued in enough to really be afraid and like how has that been because I, I, I think about other whistleblowers probably also don't do it because they're afraid i was like nine i bet you know 999 out of a thousand people just would not do yeah. it because they're yeah. afraid and how did you like process that and i also want to know how you found your team the people that you work with because i would have picked robert barnes but you don't know like you were saying i don't know i'm not that plugged in so i wonder how you got that but yeah i just wonder how you kind of made that decision and dealt with it along the way I just was not tuned in enough to even consider. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have a moment to be afraid. I knew this data was was important for what the plan was, which was to eventually get this product rolled out worldwide. And we were going to use our taxpayer. They were going to use our taxpayer dollars to do that in the United States. <laughs> um, you know, so, so that I just knew that I had to say something. It wasn't uh, an if or a when, it was right at the moment that it needed to happen and I just did it. You and know, your husband was supportive. You said you asked him that he was Absolutely. like, Absolutely. And I didn't ask him. Let me try. <laughs> no, ask his opinion and not his permission, his opinion. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Um, you know, we just talked about what, what, what are we going to do when I, my income goes away if it goes away and I, I come forward um, when I come forward with this. And he said, we're just going to have to make some lifestyle changes. And, you know, I am I will be honest with everybody. I'm in a very. Um, I don't want to say unique, but we're OK if I don't work. Did, his, did his income go away like that could be so, you know, if you really saw how big a picture this could be. Yeah. You said it was early on, but like, you know, that could it could have. It could have. No, but we didn't consider that. Uh, you know, it was we were going to have to make some lifestyle changes. I, I, you know, couldn't just go buy a new purse if I wanted to. You know, we just have to we just had to think about, you know, um, until I could find another job. But finding another job actually took me a lot longer than I than I thought it, it would. <laughs> I can't it believe little... you found another job at all. But I what did. about hopefully Robert Barnes will help you <laughs> compensate for that. But how did you come upon that connection? Like, how did you evaluate who you were working with? Well, I actually had another attorney team. Um, when I first was fired, I immediately paid a $5,000 retainer. I knew that I'd been wrongfully terminated. And so I retained this attorney. And as I started just kind of going through my emails, because I was getting hundreds a day. So I got fired on a Friday. So over the weekend, I was going through emails and just really trying to wrap my mind around what the hell I just like got fired from. And I realized that, that it was a, a way, way worse than, than I even knew because Ventavia was working on not just Pfizer's vaccine. They were working on other COVID-19 candidate vaccines as well. And other studies in pregnant women and in children and our elderly, and all these indications and vaccine is their bread and butter. Better. So when I started just kind of doing a little bit re more research, I said, okay, I, I think I need to 
get a different kind of attorney. Sorry, let me take a drink. So <clears throat> I called like 50 attorneys and spent hours on the phone doing, you know, my diligence and, and finally chose to go with the law firm Bergen and Drophy. So we filed the False Claims Act case in January of 21. And again, as this time's kind of, you know, moving forward and I'm watching all this happen in September, I said no more. I'm not going to be quiet anymore. The government, the DOJ is not just going to keep requesting extension after extension and having me stay muzzled over here and not tell the American people what the fuck went on in Pfizer's trial. I wasn't going to do it anymore. And so I said, I'm going to go on Tucker Carlson. That's what I told him. I had a direct connection to that platform and I told him I was going to do that. And I'd been very careful, you know, again, I'm not a political person, blah, blah, blah. I don't even watch TV, but I'm, I'm very, I was aware of at least the, the media and that whole ecosystem. So I knew if I took it to like CNN, it would be viewed one way. And if I took it to Fox, it'd be viewed another. And I just couldn't have that. So I knew taking it to the BMJ was, was, a good decision, the best decision I, I, I made. So I, it was just a, I'm pissed off. I, I don't want to hide this information from the American people anymore. And I got to tell someone. And so I said Tucker, because I, I did have a connection to Tucker, but I knew I wasn't going to do it. But I said I was. And two days later, he dropped me as his client without left me without representation. And so I had to scramble to find a new attorney and somebody very close to me recommended uh, a, an attorney and that attorney recommended Robert and Robert and I like hooked up, uh, you know, immediately. And he said, heck yeah, I'll, I'll take on the case. And, you know, here we are. And then he put you on Tucker. <laughs> Not yet. No. Just saying you would. Um. You know, I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't know that I would, you know, mainstream media. I don't know. They're not yeah. the news anymore. Now I was you just know, thinking independent Ro media. Robert would, Robert would be, oh, is unafraid. Probably. He's unafraid. He would, he would do it. And I, I would, I would say, okay. But you mentioned Brandy Vaughn, who yeah. was a whistleblower. I didn't start really becoming afraid that anything was going to happen to me or, my family until that question came up from somebody and it was the way that it was asked. Somebody said something to the effect of, do I work with Brandy? I had no idea who she was. And then I, I, I looked up her story and um, you know, that, that kind of made my ears perk up. Right. And then I was getting contacted by this whistleblower group who who wanted to help I, I was trying when i was doing podcasts um i would lose my internet connection there was interference being um um put on my antenna so every time i went to go talk about what was going on like this interference would come and i would lose my connectivity like weird things were happening and so he said go meet with this person in dallas so this is a whistleblower group that i thought was was going to to, to help me. So 
he he says, go speak to this person in Dallas. We're, we're going to help you get your phone taken care of, you know, your internet, your connectivity, maybe some personal security. Um, I received a box, a box of crickets one time. Um, that was weird. But anyway, so I go and I meet this attorney. Um, That's not weird. Like, Sorry to interrupt you. So they were telling you, shut up. Crickets. Yes. yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. I was getting uh, letters in my mailbox. Uh, for example, the, the Department of Justice sent me a certified letter that you're supposed to sign for. And it was open in my mailbox. So I immediately took pictures, sent them to Robert, and then filed a complaint with my postal service. Um, so just weird stuff that you wouldn't even think like in the moment it meant anything. But when you start to put everything together, kind of meant something. But anyway, so I go and I meet this attorney and or go to meet the attorney in, in Dallas. And, sh and I was told when you decide where you're going to meet, meet there and then turn off your phone and then go meet somewhere else. So you can have the discussion about, you know, whatever you're, whatever, whatever they were planning. And about 10 minutes from meeting this attorney, she texts me and she says, don't meet it's not safe. And I was like, okay, but I'm almost here. And what do you mean? And I've never heard from her again. That's one, one weird thing. Um, a group of hepatologists reached out to me several months ago because I knew of a, a case of uh, injury, a hepatocellular injury in a patient at one of my sites. And they reached out to me and we were talking about this particular case. Um, and I have, you know, that that's one of my areas of, of expertise is transplant and hepatology. So I'm having a conversation with these physicians that are, that are well known. And then I get a message from that, that group that says, Brooke, we can't, we can't talk to you anymore. It's too dangerous. So just that kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, but once the case was, was unsealed in, in January, February, it kind of just, it kind of just died, died down. I don't, I don't have those weird things happening anymore. My internet usually works. Um, oh, I've lost two computers, um, two computer viruses, um, two brand new computers. So again, little things like that. Courtney, I know you, you you have a question, and I want to have uh, Kevin jump in, maybe introduce himself, uh, say a couple words. Then also, I'd like to go to our old friend, and I don't mean that the wrong way. <laughs> uh, Joel, uh, Doctor Joel Horshort, yeah, because he's been on the show a bunch throughout 2020 and 2021, and I know how big of an ass I probably just sounded. My apologies, <laughs> but uh, he's he's been doing some of the best research when we first started doing you. Union of the Unwanted. He was one of the the regulars that was on here. One of the first people really uh, doing the the most in depth research, always up to date on stuff. So I'd love to also catch up with what you've been up to because I know that uh you know you're constantly keeping up with things. But uh, Courtney, your question, Kevin. Yes. So I actually had a couple of questions. One was I missed you were saying that there was a company that didn't come forward at all. Who who was that? You're saying. Not now. Uh, well, there's there's three companies that are involved in, right, in this right. lawsuit. It's okay. Pfizer, right, and two of their contractors. Icon is one of them, 
and okay. the other is my former employer employer ventavia okay yeah so uh, you were saying ventavia didn't come forward is that what you're saying mm -hmm. i'm sorry if i did i don't, I don't know what, what okay. she said that they wouldn't change the COVID diagnosis in in that case no i, I yeah that that part was yeah. was good yeah. but Mm. No, they, there was a, a part earlier where you were saying like they, they didn't come forward uh, for questions or something. I don't know. I but I didn't. Yeah, quite sorry, I don't know. That's okay. Um, and then uh, so then my my two question. That's kind of like a two fold question. I guess you can kind of answer you know however you want. But uh, the first one was you said you weren't like political at all. Like you were talking about like different you know media and your thoughts on where you would go and that sort of thing. So I'm just curious through this whole journey <laughs> where you know what has that shown you how the thing I mean I, I would imagine now you have much uh, I, I guess you you see a lot more than you saw before. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious like what your thoughts on you know the whole political landscape the geopolitical landscape in as a result of this and then my other question is and, and this you know answer however you feel comfortable um but uh, is uh just so there's obviously a lot of suppression and you know things are not quite kosher shall we say you know some there there's a lot of a lot of questions so i'm curious where you think they're going with all of this mm. Two great questions. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Where they're going, I don't know. I I, I don't, I have no, you know, and, and you mean in terms of like vaccine and, you know. Um, I, so I, I actually, sure, that's definitely in part. I think that may be the more, uh, you know, latent kind of question, you know, that that's okay. more on the surface. And I, I'm certainly curious your thoughts on that as well. Uh, but I see it as more of a, a tool. I, I don't really see that as the entire scope of, you know, their agenda if they have one and or if they are tied to a bigger agenda. I, I see that Who, as and yeah. Who's they? Pfizer. Pfizer and whoever, you know, is helping them drive this because I, I guess that's another question I should ask you. Do you think that <laughs> they do you think that they're alone rangers in the in, in all of this? Or do you think there's a there's a bigger web they are a part of and you know puppet masters behind them well i think as as times kind of you know I, I get really upset that here it is you know i reported what i did in 2020 september 2020 before any approvals were given here we mm -hmm. are all these you know years almost later yeah. and i don't know i guess there's kind of a part of me that that feels like everything's happened the way that it's supposed to have happened because I reported what I did so early on and I feel like so many of me, I was believing what they were, what information they were giving. Right. Um, I was afraid. I didn't want to get COVID. I didn't want to, you know, get it and then give it to my family. Um, at that point I'd lost my job. I was considering going back into, um, you know, research, but maybe again in the, in the hospital setting and, and transplant. So I knew I'd be patient facing, you know, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I um, was so busy looking at Pfizer and preparing for this lawsuit against them that I wasn't paying attention to Moderna. I wasn't paying attention to the technology. And I made the decision in early January of 21 
because I was a healthcare worker to get vaccinated. And I received two doses of, of Moderna's vaccine in, in um, January and then, you know, three weeks later. So I, I'm upset. I'm mad that I've been lied to. I have been okay. I haven't had any injuries or reactions from that. But I've looked into the face of and I've wrapped my arms around somebody who I had to hold up because she wasn't able to do it herself from these, these shots. And that'll change your life. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. And I have given up in this fight twice because it's, it's just a lot, you know, I mean, it takes, it's, yeah. it's my obsession going through these documents of Pfizer's is my obsession. You know, last night I was up till four o'clock in the morning, just looking through shit. <laughs> I mean, why you get it? I I've think a lot of us proved, get it. <laughs> I've already proved fraud over and over and over again. It's just who's going to prosecute. Right. Um, Don't stop digging. No, I, I won't, won't ever. But 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 I have in the past two times said enough is enough. I need to focus on my family, on myself. I've lost myself. I don't I don't I don't recognize me. Um, yeah. my government's let me down. My industry's let me down. My colleagues have let me down. Where are you? Um, and every time that I've given up, I've met a vaccine injured person. And the last one that I met in Ohio, she asked me and I made a promise to her that I would never give up again. And, you know, there is a potential for there to be some recovery from this lawsuit if it is successful and i have have pledged every cent of that to a vaccine injured fund i've said that from the very beginning i've never wanted this has never been about money for me um so that that's that's what hopefully robert and warner will have an opportunity to do if we if we are successful which we should be i mean yeah. again this uh but to answer your question you know um Politically, I still I still try to stay out of that because it's just it's not real to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel like Republican, Democrat. What does that mean? I feel like they're they're all, they're they're on the same team. I feel like they're just. I don't disagree. I, I was just curious of like and mm -hmm. and to hear that even just you know what what have you learned through this journey about uh, the political sphere, about the media, about you know the geopolitical context? Because it sounds like you really had stayed kind of within your framework and pretty myopic. My yeah, anything, right, right. <laughs> I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Just you know, no. so you weren't really paying attention to it, and now you've in some ways been kind of forced to, at least to some degree. So I'm just curious, what have you seen? What how has your perspective shifted, or uh, what has been illuminated for you? Well, I, I trust less if that's, you know, uh, that's the thing. And I find myself, I'm like stuck in this, God, do I want to go back to fall of 2020 or do I want to be here? And mm -hmm. I say, I, I, I would want to be here knowing everything that I know because something's got to change because this has been going, I've learned that this has been going on for a whole hell of a lot longer than, than I ever dreamed of. Yes. And so that's where I'm at. I'd like yeah. to say one thing, Brooke. Thank I, you. Thank oh you for doing what you're doing. Hi. <laughs> nice to see you. 
I, I'd I like to say in general that, you know, you mentioned being a success. You, you've already been a success. And that's the important point to make here is that your work has already, the, the, real, the thing that I have come around again over and over to see, like you just mentioned, it's bigger than just right now, is this is how this has always worked. They will never admit it unless we are dragging them by handcuffs into, you know, like that's that's the reality. So your success is mar- is measured in the fact that you have shown people the truth, you know, and it's there. And it's what's hard is that you're the detriment, you know, like every other doctor that's spoken up, like they're losing their practice, but they're a success because they've shown people that truth. You know, the, the interviews we had and the information that you broke down, I mean, the, the very first conversation we had, that's a slam dunk. It's very, it's right out of their documentation. They lie. You caught them. Even as Barnes said in the interview or, or the discussion of your, your trial, that they even were forced to admit that in some ways. And, in, in you know, the point is there's nobody that's going to hold them accountable because they're all involved in that. So it's, it's a paradigm shifting change, not in the great reset direction, but in the other direction. But so right. I just want to say that. you have already okay. been a success and changed millions of people's lives. So just know that. I was I was way more excited to see you than you were. To see you. <laughs> I, I was surprised to see you when I stepped in, but you were talking. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> so, That's fine. It's so good to see you. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks. You look great, Kevin. Well, can you? Uh, yeah, jump in, my friend. I just want to say, um, Brooke, it's a pleasure to see you again. I saw you in New York um, at Naomi Wolf's book signing. You did. And, um, I, yeah, I we remember. met each other then. And um, thank you for your God courage, and thank all of you on this. Um, joining this discussion. I was at it last. I mean, my friend Susie told me I should join. And then I see my dear friend, Dr. Ely on here. So it's a great place to be this evening. I talk all damn day. <laughs> I'm tired of talking today. But I thought it was very, very important that I got on and, um, and listen. Look, listen, I got to tell you, when I listen to your story and so many other stories, it inspires me to continue to keep doing what we're doing. Um, this is not for the faint-hearted. No one ever told me it was going to be easy. No one ever told me that we weren't going to have to sacrifice our lives for saving humanity. You know, politics is politics, but we all have to participate in the real world that we live in. And, and I think we're doing great work to save humanity and protect our children and build a better world. And you're someone that will always be remembered, and all of you will be remembered for what you're doing. So you should be happy and, and, and embrace that and love that because at the end of the day, people will always remember the work you did to save the world and save the planet and, you know, protect our children and all of the podcasters and all of the stuff that you're doing. I got to tell you, if it wasn't for you, you know, we would be completely fucked. And, you know, mainstream media, legacy media, well health organization, FDA, CDC, you know, the globalists, all of them are losing every day. So I don't even spend a lot of time going down that rabbit hole. And people like yourself only give, you know, all of us inspiration to keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, I don't like to use the term winning and losing those sports metaphors. I'm an athlete, but I know better. This is about a group of people at this given time, at this given moment that was ordained for this special place and time to fight against the tyranny of our time. So all of us have a job to do and it's very uncomfortable. But I always say that the people that are out there doing this work, we need to give them a lot of love. We need to show them a lot of deference and respect. And we need to understand that it's because of that courage and it's because of all of your courage that other people are joining our ranks every day. So they can raid Trump's house today. They can talk about monkeypox today. They can talk about all of this stuff every day. And I got to tell you, the more they do it, it helps us. 
So I'm one of the few people in the country that smiles every time they come up with some more crazy shit. I just laugh and embrace it and love it because even the, the person that doesn't know anything about what we're going through and what we're talking about in the science and the geopolitics and what's happening in our government, what's happening in our you know churches, what's they will get this. They'll say, wait a minute, I went from here to here. I've gone from here to here. You now want to take control of my life. You now want me not to own anything. You now want me to control, you know, you, you now want to control my children. You now want to further commoditize my body. You now want to strip me from everything. That only helps us. So we need to be happy about the fact that they don't have enough self-discipline to slow up and they have revealed everything to us. So, you know, you're one of the few people in the world that has seen it all. And, you know, we all need to come to your side and show you the love and give you the protection that you need. And I'm very encouraged that people like you are on the planet. I'm very encouraged that all of you are yeah. doing what you're doing. And I got on a call. I didn't know what to expect. Susie told me to get on a call, so I got on a call. And um, I'm trying to enjoy my, my time in Florida, but I never sleep. My Dr. Illy knows this. But I got to tell you, this is a very unique time and history. And we, as painful as it is, we should embrace every bit of it. Because this is where we're planting the seeds and regenerating the soil. This is where we're finding out who our real friends are. This is all the stuff that we needed to know to build the world that we need to live in, or to embrace our faith the right way, or to find God the right way, or to redefine our family dynamics the right way, or to realign ourselves with this tribe as opposed to the tribe that wants to be slaves. So I, I gotta tell you, as hard as it sounds, as bad as it is, I'm just here to tell you, Brooke, that at the end of the day, you know, the world look, will look upon you and say, that was young lady, that was one young lady that stood up in the gap for all of us. But the problem with all of us is, and you know, and Dr. H and Susie and all of my dear friends that are intimate with me, the reason why this is happening to us is because we are just as worse as the people that we're fighting. Because mm -hmm. we surrendered our power. Mm -hmm. We surrendered our voice. We surrendered everything to them because we just wanted to live this very interesting life that we believed everything was going to be okay and, you know, the government wouldn't do this. But it, even though we saw them doing it for decades in other countries and decades in other communities, we just thought it wouldn't happen to us. And we are just as culture corrupt as they are. And so we have to look ourselves in the mirror tonight and the next day and the next day and say, holy crap. You know, we allowed this to happen. And until you do that, all of you, even as podcasters, all of you, until we do that, we will never break the chains of bondage that we believe we're fighting to do right now. And I try to do that every day. Every time I look at my grandchildren and my grandchild that's not born yet, I know that I have a job to do to correct what I participated in, what mm -hmm. I agreed to. You know, I gave them power, even though I'm, a, I'm an insider. I might not like, be, like you guys. I've been an insider. I, I come from them. I know their science. I know their language. I know their plans. So, you know, I'm here to tell you that they don't have a plan. They never had a plan to deal with you, Brooke, or any of you um, on this um, segment right now, on this pot, on this show right now. They never expected you. That hubris, they just never, ever expected a Brooke 
to get up and say enough is enough. Oh, by the way, I did take the experimental biologic, but right now and I realized that I made the wrong decision. And right now I want to be that evangelist telling the other ones that did that, you know what, there's a pathway out of this. Mm-hmm. And yep. we have to see God's you know, face and we have to find our God courage and we have to hug each other, <laughs> but we have to be respectful. We're not respectful to each other. You know, well, next time you see me at an event, Kevin, you better give me a hug. Uh, well, who's well, who's calling the fireman that just lost his job? Who's calling the teacher that just lost his mm-hmm. job? Who is talking to those people that are standing in the gap for mm-hmm. us? Who's, who's saying that? I try to do that every place I go, to go to the wounded warrior. You talk about the military, yeah. you talk about, but we are wounded warriors. But guess what? If we seek God's face and we find our God courage, they can't ever beat us. Nope. And if, if I've never done it, if I've never done anything in my life, I am so happy that God chose me when I was born, when I was coming through my mother's womb into the light, that he put something on me for this special moment in history. I, if, I, if, if I die today, I know that I did something right before I left this planet, just like all of you, just like all of you. You're Kevin. just not podcasting to get clicks. You're just yeah. not podcasting to do it. You're podcasting and you're talking about this because God put something in your mouth. He put something in your brain. He put something in your heart. <laughs> That's the only reason you're doing this. You're, you're not special. God made you unique. Yeah. Kevin, I preach, you. brother. Preach. Hey, can we give it up for it's Kevin Jenkins on that for real? Preach, brother. That's what let it be said. Well, I'm just saying because I think sometimes yeah. in this process we forget the unique time that we're in. This is a beautiful, as dark as it is, this is a beautiful time. It is. This is a beautiful Kevin, time. I got to tell you, buddy, I'm in my Uber, and this is my Uber driver. Hey. He was listening to what you were saying. He wanted to say something to you. Hey, man, I preach that all the time. You know that we should stop with this victimizing mentality because you know what? Everybody's at fault. You know, and uh, everybody, everybody just wants to feel entitled to their opinion that it's a fact. But you know what? We're not looking at everybody's point of view or geographical point where they grew up because everybody has a different story. And as an Uber driver, it impresses me. Of, we all lived in the same country. We come from different nationalities, different backgrounds. But yeah, alone, we can relate to everybody because we kind of have the same education but at the same time, some of us are passive, some of us go after it, some of us want more. And then there's people that just want to get that, that want to be, want to have that entitlement of that victimizing mentality and be like, oh, you know what? I'm entitled to this. So because of my skin color, because of who I am, because of where I'm at, you know, I deserve more than you because you already had it. And you know what? It's my turn to, to, to go grab it. And I think that, you know, that's the problem that people have nowadays people don't want to work for it they just want everything given free to you know yeah yeah there's a song that i play often you know and dr h and Susie knows that i'm really big on you know spiritual music to guide me in my everyday walking in my faith and you know it's a donny hathaway song god help me and sometimes when i'm walking by myself i just ask god to help me yeah well, you know what they say, you know, in order to have God, you got to have love in your heart, you know, and if you don't have love, what is it that you're really seeking? You know, is it? Well, that's why we That's why we, you know what? I don't know who you are, but see, that is the uniqueness of God. 
Right there. Right there. The man's in the car getting ready to pull off with Susie. And he hears this and he says, oh, my God, I've been feeling the same way. So here's a person that's a part of that unique tribe that we're a part of. Yeah. And these messages that come out of your podcast and these things that you all are talking about is so important because in, in the midst of all of it, isn't it very interesting that we know about NIH, we know about the welfare organization, we, but it all got back to one universal narrative, God. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the funny, I, I find it fascinating. As smart as we all are, as industrialist as we all are and creative and successful, it was really interesting that God put this in our pathway to find ourselves back there. And that is what I actually get out of this. And Dr. H knows this, I've changed my message. I've traveled 350,000 miles. I really get it. It's not about COVID. It's not about what's in the shop. It's not about all of it, even though it's essential that we educate people to protect their body sovereignty. But when you say protect your body sovereignty, do you really understand what that means? You're protecting your connection to God. You're, protect, you're protecting your soul. Yeah. It's, it's not about that. And if long, as long as we keep saying it, they, the people that need to hear it won't hear it. And I, and I started changing. Yep. Maybe a year ago, I think I, I called Dr. H one day. I was in tears. I said, I will <laughs> never have that conversation. Never. I will never talk about it again. Never. And it started. And once I started changing that narrative, people were like, oh, I want to hear more about COVID. Oh, I want to hear more. About yeah. It. Oh, I want. And that's what happened. That's now right. Went back the opposite way. They said, OK, I got this. Now talk to me about this so I can use my God courage that you talked about to fight not against it, against this, but to build a better world for my children. That's right. It's hey, Kev, 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 I got I to gotta take the baton for a second. We're going to do the give and go. I'm going to give it right back to you, okay? That's my brother. But, yeah. but y'all, do you remember when I called you doing a cartwheel in the house? Do you remember when I called you? I was so excited. I said, we just won. It's not going to be tomorrow, but we just won. Brooke, that's when you published in the British Medical Journal. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I said, they are done. It is now a matter of time. Yep. They are done. We finally got our first whistleblower. It is a matter of time. We are going to take them to the woodshed, and we're going to beat God into them if we have to. But they are done. And I called up Kevin, and I was doing a cartwheel because <laughs> I was just so excited. I was grabbing my son. I was grabbing my girl time. It was just like... We just finally got him. We got the person we have been waiting for. And it was you. It was you yeah. the entire time. And it was like, what a great honor to be chosen in this moment for that task. Right? It's so good. You know what, Dr. H. Brooke, and all of you um, that are listening, and I know all of you guys are just major contributors to what we're doing. But I'm going to say one thing to you. My grandmother, Lily Mae Jenkins, told me, and Dr. H and them that know me, I always bring back up her memory because she's connected into my DNA. She said, Kevin, God rewards courage in the discussions. And if you notice, all of us that have been under attack, all of us that get up sometimes in interesting spaces, we always find our way out of it. 
we always, somebody will come knocking on the door to give you something to just keep moving forward. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, we are just so intellectual and we're just so damn smart that we missed the point. We missed the point. And I got to tell you, Brooke, and all of you, I'm just, I wasn't expecting to say anything. I was just, you know, expecting to listen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with you. But this is our moment. This is the hysterical, pivotal moment for all of us, I believe. And we were chosen for this moment. Absolutely. And hats off to, to Brooke and everybody on this call, because throughout 2020 and 2021, a lot of you guys have been on the show a bunch. It's really easy to say now that vaccines have adverse reactions, <laughs> that masks don't work. But we were doing it when we're all being censored, when we're losing friends, when we're, we were getting in fights with strangers. And we we had the balls to to stand up and, and say what was right, even if it meant getting in a confrontation, a verbal confrontation. And, uh, you know, and I think we all contribute to that awakening that a lot of us are saying is happening. We all contribute to that. We, we might have planted the seed of doubt, uh, of the mainstream or the main, you know, the mainstream narrative by maybe sparking a conversation with a stranger or a family member or whoever and putting out, uh, these conversations. Many of us got kicked off. Uh, YouTube, you know, throughout the last couple of years and Twitter and, and a lot of other uh, uh, social media platforms. Thanks. To well, Matt. Ricky. Well, hey, hey, Ricky, I'm, listen, I'm on a disinformation list. I remember my, I was traveling the country and my mother called me. She says, oh, my God, they're talking about you at the White House. I said, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was laughing. I was like, Mom, don't worry about it. It's great that they're talking about us because that means that we're doing what the right thing. You know, and um, we now see it all, right, Brooke? You see all of us that are on this call, we see it all. And if you don't, I'm going to put you in my prayers today because we see it all. And, and I, guess I, what? Ten years ago, we weren't paying attention. Many people weren't. You're right. And th and the thing is, I mean, you look at the people in this group and people who are part of the, the union of Dunwanted, for lack of a better term, everybody who's... And that's where the term came from because everybody was resisting uh, what we want to talk about. People were uh, big tech was resisting our our content by censoring us. So that's where we came up with the with the term and the name. Thanks to the Mike. And um, I mean, we, we had Dr. Robert Malone on this show. We had Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, and and when Dr. Robert Malone was on, it was before he really became like a household name, like he is now. He was willing to come on shows like these and many of our, our shows to talk, and he would talk to anybody who's outspoken. Dr. Peter McCullough came on the day that his Joe Rogan episode uh, dropped, and uh, and he became a household name. And it just shows how much these guys care about just getting the information out there. That they're willing to come on this show, they're willing to come on any show, and they're willing to just you know go against the grain for what's right. And, you know, we all have to look in the mirror. We all have to be happy with who we are and, and the legacy we leave. And like Kevin said, I mean, I think when history is written, ho hopefully, uh, you know, people will remember the work that we've all done to contribute to, to, uh, you know, what now has become common knowledge that, you know, that maybe two years ago would get you kicked out of a store, you know? So <laughs> uh, I hope, it, I hope, I hope all of you keep doing what you're doing. I mean, and whatever I can do to help, I will. I mean, I, I, I mean, sometimes I don't even know if I'm coming or going, but I just know we're doing the right thing. 
And I was telling my wife today, I said, yeah, I don't feel like talking today. And she bust out laughing. <laughs> she said, yeah, okay, let's see how that works for you, you know? But, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to go inward, you know, and you have to listen and you have to follow your heart and you have to find your courage every day to keep doing what you're doing. And Brooke, you know what? You're going to be fine. All of you are going to be fine. And, we, you know, we're going to have one great party when this is over. But here's the, here's the catch. You've heard people say this over, never again, never again, never again, never again. Now, the question is, why again? Why again is because we forget, we have forgot, right, how we got here. And until we start to really understand that, they, the, the demons that we call them, the tyrants that we call them, the lizards that we call them, they will always continue to work at their craft of destroying humanity. Are we gonna to continue to work on our craft, not to restore humanity, but build a better world? And that's our problem. We get a little bit comfortable, we get a little bit more ease in our lives, and we forget the mission. And that's why we're back here again. That's why you can have Germans doing what they're doing to each other. That's why you can have Canadians doing what they're doing to each other. That's why you can have Israelis doing what they, they forgot. They forgot that God snatched them from the pit of hell. And you know what? They went right back to the devil and forgot about God. And that's why we're suffering today. And I, God bless you. I got to go and try to eat some spaghetti. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate it. I love you guys. Bye-bye. That's how you're going to wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Ricky. That's how you're going to end it? You're going to go on this whole Sermon on the Mount? And then you're going to tell us about spaghetti. Hey, listen. He's hungry. I, I got spaghetti. it. Hey, wait a minute. Everybody knows Dr. H is going to call me up, and he's going to rob me about the spaghetti shit. Oh, I, I am. I'm, I'm about to, as soon as we get off here, I'm about to hit well, you up. Well, I got to tell you, I am so happy to be sitting in a house, you know, just like for a moment. He knows this. I'm always on a plane somewhere. So I made some spaghetti. Well, I didn't make a damn thing. But, you know, my wife Gail made it, but I'm going to enjoy it like I made it. So I love you, and um, I expect to talk to you guys soon. Take care, Kevin. Thank you. Dr. Joel Hershorn, long time no, no see. How, yeah. how have you been? What, what do you, if you want to ask Brooke a question, if you want to expand on anything that Kevin said, or if you have some research and, uh, and information that you want to share, uh, feel free to yeah, I'd like to talk about what I see is a continuing priority. And that is for the last really couple of years, we've had a major propaganda lie that has deceived most of the public in the US and elsewhere. Every day I read about this lie and the lie is very simple, that the COVID vaccines and boosters will prevent serious illness and death. It is an absolute lie. This is the massive propaganda that the medical establishment, the public health establishment, the academic world, and all the government agencies, I read about it every day. Oh, yes, the vaccines and boosters will prevent serious illness and death. There's just one problem. The more we look at real-world data, the more we see that this propaganda is a massive lie and that the public 
has to also see that data. I just put up an article on my Substack. I was watching on a daily basis in the Washington Post. I live in the D.C. area. And they always daily published the pandemic data. And I noticed something caught my attention. Over a period of about, not more than about three months or so, the seven-day average death number for COVID went from 300 to 500. That's about a 70%, nearly 70% increase, according to the Washington Post data, in COVID deaths. And then we also have lots of other sources, uh, a great analysis done on VAERS showing huge numbers of cancers. And we have lots of great doctors who have also said they're seeing increasing numbers of cancers, uh, people who have been vaccinated, not just from COVID infection, but people who've been vaccinated. So one of my priorities is to continue to put out data. I'm very data oriented and to try to get the public to understand that on a daily basis, only everyone that they're listening to, mainstream media, the government agencies, all the establishment people are lying to them, that these vaccines do not prevent serious illness and death. It is a massive lie about the vaccines and they're still getting away with it. No matter how much data many of us look at and publish, they're still getting away with it. So for me, that's a big priority. But when you have a, a culture, a system, a country where uh, such propaganda can persist over a long period of time, this is evil. And they're still getting away with this propaganda. I don't know why the hell. And, and yet people are still... Now they're pushing the vaccines on children. Uh, this is crazy. This is insanity. So this system, because it's a billion-dollar market for Pfizer and all and the other vaccine makers, this propaganda lie is still alive and well. And us truth tellers must continue to work on a daily basis to try to get the public to understand that this propaganda is nothing but a serious lie. And it's all aimed at making money, always follow the money. <laughs> it's not about saving lives. It's about making money for Pfizer and the other companies. So that's what is a big priority for me. And uh, I have other interests. I, I recently uh, I did an article that what, for months and months, maybe more than a year or two now, I got very interested in vitamin D and I followed the research very carefully. And I just did an article that the pandemic could have been stopped in its tracks if all the government agencies, public health people would have simply promoted the wide use of vitamin D. I am absolutely convinced the research is solid as hell. And we know what blood level of vitamin D you need to prevent getting COVID and other infections and illnesses. It's 15 nanograms per milliliter. What very few people get their blood tested for vitamin D. And if you go back and study this as I had, when there has been some wider testing of Americans, it turned out that the typical level of vitamin D was more like 20 or 30 at best 
nanograms per milliliter, not the 50 or 60 you really need to be in a, to have your immune system really be strong, strong enough to prevent getting not just, uh, you know, the virus that we call COVID, but other illnesses also. So these are just two areas. Again, I'm very data oriented. I'm, I'm trying in my work on Substack and uh, I also publish a lot on uh, trial site news. To, I want to get the data out to people. You know, how do we fight propaganda? We don't, you know, we're a small machine. All the truth tellers on this show and others like it. You know, I've done 100 or 200 podcasts. We're small compared to the big system that we're fighting, the corrupt, evil system that we're fighting. I want to emphasize both evil and corrupt. And it's not easy to fight this big system, but we have to continue to fight it. And I like to fight it with data, not with just rhetoric, but with solid medical data. And so that's that's where I'm coming from right now, Ricky. And uh, uh, and I my work is never done because I'm always finding more data to write about in articles. And uh, so that's that's what I have to say. But before I let anybody else jump in, I know Brooke has to go. Uh, Brooke, I want personally uh, say thank you for joining us. I know I, I hit you up kind of last last second, and you were kind that's enough. Okay. That's okay. This was great. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and chat with everybody. My kids are getting their school schedules. So that's why they're like rushing me out the door. They're ready to get back to school Wednesday. So, but I'd love to come back on and, and, and join you guys in the conversation. It's great. And I, Robert, I, I thank you so Robert much for the support. Get, get Robert on too. It would be cool to have Robert here. Yeah. Robert, Robert's a busy man. Yeah, um, but he has time for interviews sometimes. I, he does it. I will ask him. You know, um, the the two of my attorneys together, Robert and Warner, they're really good. They're really good together. Um, you know, Warner's kind of, um, you know, been been on the front lines more than a little bit more than Robert lately, um, just because Robert sets some stuff going on. But I'll definitely ask. I don't mind asking. Thank you, Brooke. Yeah, that'd be fun. And and you're not alone, as you know. There's a huge union of us unwanted, and there's uh, there's many of us. And one thing that I love about this show is we have so many people from different backgrounds, different parts of the world, uh, and we all come together fighting the same fight. So I I think that's really important. And it, it's nice to know you're not alone. You're not going crazy. We're all seeing the same things you're seeing and saying that saying the same things you're saying. So uh, without a doubt. So thank you, Brooke. We'll, we'll I'm sure. Thank you guys. And we'll hopefully thank have you. you. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Sorry. Thank you, Brooke. Okay. All right. A anybody uh, want to jump in? Anybody who's who hasn't? Dr. H? Oh, you're muted. Yep. Um, yeah, I wanted to just give Joel a shout out. I love your work, dude. Um, it's fun. It's fun reading your stuff, and you see the the objective, empirical, evidence based approach. I just put something in there you might dig uh, that we just published on uh, America Out Loud. Uh, we published. I, I I do the breakthrough stuff. I'm the one that's been dropping all the breakthrough data from all the public health departments, and it it's just it's it's a joke when they say it it prevents severe 
uh, COVID situations. Right. You know, we have over 78 million people who've recovered, according to the CDC, that didn't need hospitalization. So, you know, those were that was a lot of those people weren't didn't get the shot. And then you look at the people who got the shot and still got sick and the people who died. There was 60,000 people have gotten the shot and then died because they got a COVID infection after getting the shot. And that's with only 16 state health departments reporting in. Right. You know, right. you know, Texas doesn't report in. Florida doesn't release their data, you know, between February and and uh February and June, um nine states stopped reporting data on this and then you go to like Maryland and you see that like 71% of all hospitalizations as of May are in the people who are deemed fully fully vaccinated. Right. It's a joke. It's a joke. You know, you look at it and you're just like this is come on, there's no objective person can look at this data and and think that these shots work. You know, they just don't work. So, um you might be interested in that. I, I put that in there for you dude. Right. Uh, you know, but uh, man, I, I just really love your work. And there's some okay. there's some cats out there that you love reading. You know, you get some you know constantly good stuff. I love your work. And uh, uh, who's homie from uh, the the Blaze? Um, uh, uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Ricky, help me out. What's his name from the Blaze? Uh, the, the attorney book. the attorney i just interviewed with him i'm oh i feel so bad right now he does such great work and research on this the, the point uh i'm gonna i'm gonna think of this name <laughs> dr h is this battle is is not over by any means that nope. we can we have to keep working the system from our perspective and keep getting good data out there uh for sure Every day, every day, because again, most of the public is going to be poisoned by the pro propaganda. Mm -hmm. It's poison. It's toxic. Right. But you and know what Goebbels said, right? You know what Goebbels said, right? <laughs> he said he said a lot of crazy things that yeah. that, that job, right? But at the end, before he took his own life, he said the truth always comes out. Uh, so you know that's that's you know it. You want to read something that'll just show you how much of a psychopath he was. Read his last day of his life. That guy was a complete nut job, but he did have that quote: "Truth always comes out." That's why he took his own life. You know. And, and what Joel is saying is uh, is so important because the fight mm -hmm. is. That's why when uh, Brooke decided, you said she would come on, and then I, we had Doctor Atron, we had uh, Joel said he'd come on, and we had all these people and Susie and and Kevin who uh, have been so close to this topic. And and obviously, Ryan, the last American Vagabond, speaking of people who have been censored because of his uh, great reporting throughout this whole crisis. I mean, he he's no, nobody's done uh, better work than than uh, T-Lab. So uh, definitely check out uh, the last American Vagabond if people haven't. And uh, and and w w without a doubt, like this fight isn't over. And people like Ryan, people like Steve, Pasta, you know, Charlie, Courtney, everybody on this uh, show is constantly still hitting on this topic from time to time because people need to be responsible for what happened the last couple of years. And uh, everybody got you know some some freedoms back and they got some privileges back of going out to eat and and doing their everyday thing and their kids are going to school without masks for the most part and and all the stuff so people are kind of content with like you know what this stuff's behind us but somebody needs to pay for the you know the the years of psychological torture and trauma 
the the kids who had to wear masks and were traumatized by fear because everybody's freaking out and telling them don't touch this or don't touch that or or god forbid your mask is is under your nose and all the people who lost their businesses all the people who were, were who needed rehab or church or some type of community who didn't have it i mean so much bad came out of this uh that's not even you know uh vaccine related and and yet like we we can't just move on and and say somebody's not responsible i think somebody was just saying recently i think somebody tweeted it and i saw it on, on twitter about how uh how is alex jones paying all this in fines and he never hurt anybody uh you know but him, himself but yet all the misinformation that fauci has uh put out there has probably harmed many people uh and and yet you know he's he's free to kind of live his life and and uh do whatever so um, without a doubt, we have to keep. I, I'm sure many people have COVID fatigue, and and they're tired of the topic. And um, you know, like a lot of trauma that we deal with in life, sometimes we we try to deal with it by not dealing with it at all and just not talking about it and ignoring it. But we we need to constantly keep talking about it as new information comes out. Like Joel um, uh, on uh, Substack and many others, uh, my good friend Dr. Jessica Rose and so many others who who have great Substacks, constantly putting out uh, great information. Uh, we have to keep hitting on this and and make sure that the truth is becomes undeniable because it, it did right. Like a lot of the stuff we we're talking about was stuff that people resisted. It was getting us in trouble. And now you could talk to the most normie of normies and they'll admit that like, yeah, maybe masks didn't work. Oh, maybe the lockdowns were overkill. Maybe, you know, the vaccines uh, harming people, you know, all these type of things that were so taboo not too long ago. So uh, we are winning, but we do have to keep fighting. Right. Pasa, you, you've, been, you've been quiet. I mean, do you, or were you just waiting to, for your opportunity to uh, to bust balls about the Mets again, or what do you? <laughs> well, they're up three to one. Breaking news right now, and they will beat the Dodgers and stuff. But I just want to say thank you to Joel too. That's here. The first time I did watch the Union of the Unwanted, you were on whatnot. And what I really think is important is not just looking at data, but understanding the manipulation of data. That's yeah. really really important. Now, I'm an election integrity guy, and I can tell you that's how they keep the rhetoric going. They manipulate the data. Yes. One of the most amazing things when it came to COVID, it was they were only classifying somebody who was vaccinated two weeks after, right, his second shot. And I believe that window from the first shot, Dr. H, correct me if I'm wrong, to the second shot is about an average of six weeks of whatnot. So you're talking about there's about a three month span in which somebody put that poison into their arms and then they can be considered and they were considered, uh, excuse me, unvaccinated. And that's correct. a big manipulation of da data and you can control the whole narrative that way. So I think yes. it's very important for the work right. we're doing to understand not just the data that's coming out, but the manipulation of data to get that from you gentlemen and to pass it on as part of our work moving forward. If yeah. I, add, Austin, yeah. I always like to remind people that the ad is the Alberta conversation, right? Where they, the data that came out from Alberta, where they quickly deleted right afterward, exposed the fact that the 80, 85% of all the things that happen, cases, hospitalization, and death take place within the first 21 days right. following that first shot. That's mm -hmm. why that case, that's why that all comes together, right? They mm -hmm. dump it all down at unvaccinated. And now what we're seeing is them transition to what I call the pandemic of the unboosted. Now they're right. going, it's all happening in the people that aren't up to date. And we're admitting that it's all happening within the vaccinated, you know? Can I drop something on you, Ryan? Just yeah. for some some thought here. So you all are aware of the, the Lund University study, right? In February of this year, right? 
you all aware of that these these definitively modify the genome they reverse transcribe into dna and, and everything i didn't want to say that to brooke and and say something bad to her after all she did but um here's the deal uh with that the reason they're boosting is because after um you finish uh after you finish a uh, shot the body immediately goes into undoing the genetic modification Mm -hmm. All right. It's a process called nucleotide excision repair and base excision repair within the DNA. Your body actually knows it's not supposed to be in there. So it starts undoing the damage. Now, it's a lot slower process if it the damage is in a nerve or something like that, because those don't replicate. So it's going to be much more and it's a much slower healing process for people if they can even heal at all. We're still trying to figure out if we can help people get there. But I'll tell you this much. The people who are getting boosted are the ones that are in are are going. It is a biologic certainty they are going to die. All right, because if you keep getting boosted with this on the schedule that the CDC is recommending, you're never going to give your DNA a chance to undo the damage. And ultimately, there's no off switch now, so you're just going to keep producing the spike protein. You're going to keep developing and, and collecting all the extra crap that's in the shots that they won't tell us what's in the ingredient right. list, and it's going to suppress. Your ability to one um, to uh, replicate a healthier version, a healthy version of your own chromosome, but it's also going to prevent detoxification through two of the pathways within the cell. You're going to shut down the methylation pathway and really the acetylation pathway. Oh, that's a lesser one, but you're going to really do it. So what we've learned so far, Ricky, that's been really wild with this is the people who've had the most severe um, uh, uh, adverse events, injuries from the shots are the people who aren't methylating, the people with MTHFR disorder. And it's blown my mind, but then Judy Mikovits kind of broke it down for me for why that happens, and it makes complete sense. It's like, if the people who are not methylating, and of course it's unknown, undiagnosed, those are the ones that are taking the big first wave hits on all this stuff um, because of the upload of the DNA. And it's a little bit more complex than that, but it's basically that. When you couple that with the the autoimmune disorders that are being given to people with the Boom. problem, yeah, explodes exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's, they, they try, they're, they're killing us. That's I mean, they're, and they're not even yes. bashful about it. This is a murder for profit scam. And until we start have the balls to start talking about it on that level, you're right, Joel. We aren't going to get anywhere. But we have to be able to push that that argument forward. And that's why I've, I'm not backing down on any of this stuff. It's a murder for profit until you prove otherwise. If I may, and and one topic that I done a lot of articles about which hasn't been mentioned tonight is long COVID. That mm -hmm. is, this is the new form of the pandemic. It isn't the infection. It's, mm -hmm. it's long COVID. It's about 50 or 60 symptoms mm -hmm. that are devastating the lives, the quality of life of people, millions and millions of people, including more than a million in the U.S. that can't go back to work. Mm -hmm. Because of brain fog, physical, uh, you know, sluggishness, mm -hmm. all these symptoms. Long COVID, again, is a really serious disease. And by the way, the medical community has no effective treatments, although it looks like one is coming along based on the latest research, based on the use of several blood thinners at the same time. The cause of the long COVID, by the way, based on great research in, in, uh, in South Africa, is micro blood clots. I'm a firm believer. I've seen the pictures. The micro blood clots 
or they get into the fine capillaries throughout the body. They block oxygen flow, and it can account for all these many, many symptoms of long COVID. It is just a new form of what we call the, the pandemic. And uh, it's again, major disruption of people's lives with no great treatments available. In fact, uh, people who get hit with this, they go from one doctor to, to the next, one specialist to the next, and seeking some sort of remedy, and they're not getting a remedy. They're suffering. So is your, hey, Joel, check out serapeptase for that. Number one, we've had great clinical success with serapeptase, breaking down the, the microclots and, and also the fundamentals that you talked about earlier with the 50 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D, spot on with it. And it still applies for long COVID. Long COVID, what we've seen clinically is just severe nutrient deficiency. Once you get the nutrient deficiencies okay. addressed, the homeostasis gets reestablished in the body. So are yeah. we talking about this under the context of, of like the research showing you that COVID-19 is in fact causing people to prolong something or, I mean, what that, which I guess my, I would wonder what, what is the inclusion of other things being called long COVID or whether or not that's yes. even present, right? Or whether or not there's a lot of stuff in there that I think like for, and to add on top of all of that, there's a, there's a very relevant peer reviewed study that came out that literally argues the vast majority of those are psychosomatic. Right. No. So it's no. very interesting discussion. Not true. Not, yeah, no, that I'm that one. Yeah. Here, here what I said. There's a peer reviewed study that said that. That's all I'm no. saying. Right. It, it, it's it's peer reviewed to, and and that's one of those false flag ones that they push through, right. so that they because what they're really saying is we don't know how to treat this, so it must be in your head. And we've seen right. that with adverse events. We've seen that with long COVID. It's a dereliction of duty, and it's bullshit from a for a medical professional to take that stance, and they should have their license revoked. Anybody who's but saying to it. Explain it though. To hear, I'm just arguing as a sense of a. I no, mean, I, I know what you're saying, right? But this is this is the crap that we have to deal with now on the medical side of things that we shouldn't have to deal with. Is is we can't trust our journals anymore. Just like you can't right. trust the mainstream media, you can't trust your journals. The first thing I do when I go read research is I go and read funding statement and conflict of interest. Right. If I see anything problematic in the funding statement or the conflict of interest, I throw the whole damn thing out or I just read it so I can rip it apart if somebody tries to throw it at me. As you know, that's damn most science today, right? That's right. That's all it is. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's bullshit on an epic scale and we're going to put it to bed. That's, your, that's what we're here for. On, on regard to like, so what they argued in this study was not that this, like ultimately that they, and again, it's all based on the definitive PCR test, right? Which is not definitive, you know? And the point is that we're testing people and the people that say they're experiencing long COVID, all of them that say that don't have definitive tests proving that they had something. The people that don't have it had a definitive test saying they had it. Now that's interesting, right? I mean, well, I just wonder how, what, whether that's kind of like this huge net scooping up all these other things that aren't necessarily even long anything the, the right? only test right now for long COVID and it is eua approved is viral load testing which i've been banging the drum on since march of 2020 we've always dealt with viruses in this capacity you have symptomatology that leads the physician to say okay i'm going to do some testing but we test always two things we test viral load with the bloodstream and we test antibodies we test ige and igg igm and igg antibodies we test those two things because the load tells us that there's an active infection it's a definitive confirmation of symptomatology and the antibodies tell us where a person is in their healing process if they're at ige it's or I, igm it's super early excuse me and if it's at 
set IgG and no IgM, we know it's over, but the viral load will match it. They've never wanted to use that testing because it would have shown that this was bullshit from day one. That's why they went with PCR and spooled up the CT value so they could find anything they wanted at 40 plus cycles, right? So it, it's, it's been garbage since the beginning. And this thing that sucks is the viral load testing and the antibody testing both exist. They've ex been in. They've been EUA approved since 2020, and no hospitals and no medical professionals are using them because they know it would disprove all the bullshit that they're pushing in the hospitals and all the and all the stuff that's been going on with remdesivir and killing patients. Murder for profit would be exposed on the spot, and they would be fucked all of them. So they don't do it. It's bullshit. It. it and I agree with you, Ricky, on the point of saying that, hey, we got to get some of these people got to be held accountable. The people we got to hold accountable are the people, the doctors that should have known better and should have asked some damn questions and didn't ask one damn question when all this was going on. I was on the phone when they killed my cousin's mother, all right, using remdesivir and refused to give issue uh, budesonide, even though her uh, O2 sats were falling. I couldn't believe this. Me as a naturopath is yelling at an MD to use budesonide and they refused to use it because it wasn't indicated. Three hours later, she's dead, right? You see this kind of bullshit out there all the time and we have to have the courage, like Kevin was saying, that God courage to speak that truth and be unapologetic about I don't care about your feelings anymore. I don't care if I'm hurting your feel. I don't give a damn. What I care about is we get to the truth and we start having objective conversations again because this is bullshit and it's going to kill the entire human race if we don't hold the line right here. Yeah. Right. And, and the, geni the genius of, of Pfizer, I just want to add, is that all these people who are fully vaccinated and boosted who are now becoming ill once again, now they're being sold Paxlovid, a Pfizer, this Pfizer drug. So Pfizer, brilliant marketing, brilliant business plan, now has another way to make billions of dollars through through Paxlovid. And, uh, and I, we have good friends who just came down, fully vaccinated and boosted, just came down with COVID. What do their doctors prescribe? Paxlovid. Mm -hmm. And obviously Fauci and Biden went through two through two doses of Paxlovid. And maybe they're still not clear of, of the infection. I, I, just want, <laughs> yeah, I just want to add something quickly in terms of, uh, you know, like holding them accountable. I absolutely agree. They need to be held accountable. But I think it's important not to let up on, on the topic, not just to hold them accountable, but to prepare people. Because this is how, you know, whether you look at it, I, I mean, I see this kind of as geopolitical warfare tactics. That's really, they, they have an agenda. This is a global agenda and it's a very concerted effort. And they've already moved on. They've got three attacks, you know, 10 attacks lined up. And so while everybody's still busy, you know, quibbling over the last ones, yep. they're they're busy, ready to, you know, aim fire. And so I think it's really important because these are beta tests. So I think in a lot of ways we were kind of lucky, you know, and not to say that, you know, this isn't tragic and that there aren't people who are experiencing grave consequences as a result, but they're refining bioweapons constantly. There, there's several new patents out. So 
and they're doing all of these, you know, these are all psychological warfare tactics. You know, they test them. I know the the money pox is, isn't working all that well. A lot of people don't seem to be falling for it. That doesn't mean they don't have another one waiting in the wings. Well, so- I, I'd like to say something, sorry, in regards to the monkey pox. One, sorry, mm-hmm. just let's mm-hmm. establish this has been gain of function and likely started in Nigeria with Bill Gates testing it there. And then what happens when you put in a smallpox, which even Fauci on record has said is toxic and 60 Minutes said is the most toxic vaccine yet into monkeypox sufferers that are also jabbed and really suffering. Mm -hmm. Oh, so what is that melange going to do? Especially if you look at how contagious, I'd love also Ryan to comment on that. I do not, I expect that people are making fun of this and making rap songs, but something is amiss in regards to this mixture of smallpox, which is a bioweapon. And it's known that it's it's also been in stockpiles of other countries. Like well, be- before, but before you guys answer, I'll just add this really quickly. You know, Biden kept saying dark winter, dark winter. If everybody, if anybody looks into dark winter, you know, dark winter was uh, testing for a smallpox outbreak. Right. You know, it right. was wartime testing. So, yeah. And he said the next time we'll get their attention. And I think it's inverted. And I think like people, people are making fun of this. But if you look at what's going on, I'm not saying be scared or I'm scared. Mm. Um, but I think if you also look at the indigenous population and how they use smallpox by putting it on the blankets, mm-hmm. that why are they allowing with their anal rules for people? They're, they're making these delays in the airlines and they're letting people just hang out hours on end. It's just bizarre. And I'm. it's not like I want to fear monger, but I know they have bioweapons they can use if they wanted to. Well, you know what kind of people you're dealing with, so you have to be suspicious that they would do that. Yep. Amen. Amen. Good to see you, Matthew. All right, everybody. I got I to gotta jam, y'all. I put my number in there. If y'all ever need me for anything like that, you have a question about something, I'm always happy to help. Just text me, all right? Pasta, get that blood drawn, baby. Let's get you, let's get you on that next level, okay? Hey, Dr. Henry, before you go, it's, shoot me. It's my it's my fault, Doctor. Steve, I'm I'll catch for, blame I'm, you. I'm looking for I'm looking for one of like a Maj Torre trained phlebotomist that I can hand like forty bucks and a little jar of weed to, rather than going and <laughs> trying to get you know. Amen. That, that's what. I'm, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's pray for you, that to come into existence. There we go. All right, there we go. <laughs> Shoot me an email. I'd like to connect with you at some point. I'd like to. You're know, interested in your 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 perspective, uh, Ryan at the Last American. Vagabond.com. It's simple. Ryan at the last American. All right, I'll hit you up. Ryan. Dr. H. Go All right, y'all. Come on, man. (laughs) All right, y'all. Peace. See ya. Ryan, I'll hook you guys up. I'll I'll, uh, I'll connect. Thanks, Ricky. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yep. I forget where we're. (laughs) We lost the train of thought. Well, you did share your dark winter. Oh, oh yeah. I, it might not even load right now since my website server is literally under attack, according to my HostGator team. They're working on it all day. We're, it's under direct attack right now. It's ridiculous. That's their words, by the way. I played it on the show today. But the, the link is really, for, since you mentioned Dark Winter, I agree. It's a, it's a really relevant starting point 
not that it all started there, but like for the discussion of the smallpox and how it plays into what's going on right now, it's really interesting. Oh, that's right. That's what she was asking about the yeah. smallpox overlap. Yeah. Smallpox for monkeypox, plus they're already jabbed by the COVID-19. What's that mm. melange going to do? I'm really yeah. like to see. Yeah. And I just brought dark winter and relevance to smallpox that I think they keep referencing it. And I think it's kind of a, a signal, you know, yeah, so also, Ryan, the fact that these deletions and mutations that started in Nigeria with the help of Billy Boy Gates, they managed then to have it jump from typically what was the monkeypox on hands and face. I don't know if you saw the BMJ article it, of they were looking at the sufferers in London just in 2022 and it's absolutely ghastly the images of these whatever on on the genitals of course as you know they included herpes now in the definition of monkeypox which is also right. it's becoming the same thing as before it's just like and whether there's something there and it is monkeypox or that's overlapping with literally anything they want to call that or side effects of the vaccine you know however you want to look at it it's easy to see this broad net that gets thrown out you know, and it just gets going to end up scooping in whatever they want it to be. And that's so infuriating to watch, you know, because it's there's no like it very well could be all the things they're saying. But there's such a rush because we're all in danger that they act like they don't have to prove it. You know, and that's just the same cycle that just circles around and around. But to, to what's going to happen between all those? I mean, who ultimately knows? I might even argue that they don't even know. And that's the whole point. Let's see what happens. You know, that's what we're all living in this massive experiment. But I do think at some level there's some effort you know, like th this is all being done for some kind of end goal. And it maybe it's like, I forget who else said that literally just to step us into this next situation, you know, the, the technocratic future that we're all watching build out around us at the same time. You know, it's the biosecurity state, but I yeah. definitely think it's going to lead to more death. I would problem. like to add to also with these record delays and now all this like this uh, all these people losing their luggage. And so they named Pearson International in Toronto the worst airport ever. 10 days later, they're having a presser to talk about how they need to, to welcome in the trusted travelers and biometrics and using the word data again, all under the falsehood of we got to improve these ho horrible. Maybe you could say something to that, Steve. If, if you if you know about it, you're in. Are you in Canada? No, uh -uh, I'm in Vegas. Oh, sorry. Too bad, Steve. Speak on it. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I think that their ultimate goal is to kill as many as possible, and then they want to control the rest. They want to track and and control, yes. remote control the rest. I mean, so it's it's essentially they want a smaller pool to put into their transhuman hive Borg mind that they remote control, and that's it. I I don't feel like they've been all that shy about saying that. That's kind of what they've said. So <laughs> I don't know, but. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that they'll scoop up, as you said, like whatever happens that they can, then they can just that they can use that to blame and create the next narrative because the narrative is part of how they control everyone. So, I mean, it could be as simple as just allowing this to scare people into accepting what's coming, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. like I always point out people like, you know, Denny Rancourt, PhD, he's a, he's got a really, I've you know, it's it's never not been relevant. The study that he came out with that very clearly in his opinion, this is completely an illusion, top to bottom, whole cloth, not really there. And even uh, crazy enough, Dr. Yeadon just came out and said that just the other day, that his opinion has now evolved based on the current research that he doesn't believe that respiratory viruses even yeah. exist. He did come out and say that. that. 
And I, yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm trying to invite him back on to talk about that because it's pretty it's huge that he came uh, after his entire framework and his whole Seriously. career to come out and say that. That's a, I mean, a lot of the doctors, uh, you know, who who their, their whole lives have been seeped in that theory, that framework, are coming out and saying that there's really not much evidence to support it. I mean, even if he's wrong, think about the courage that takes to do that. Now. Of course, my God, yeah. like. It's a chat, like you said, not, not just courage, but it's really humility to be able to step yeah. outside of your own framework and say, you know, the work that I have built my entire life is founded on a false presupposition. Right. Well, it, where I was going, though, was that the PhD, uh, Danny Rancourt, PhD study argues, and he statistically breaks this down, that you, if they wanted to, they could have made this entire thing with nothing but the flu and pneumonia. And ramped up information, hype on the media, and then transitioning to vaccine side effects being called COVID-19. And it's just this cycle around and around and PCR false positives. And, you know, okay. it, it's it's possible. So it's like, right. I think you still have to maintain that that might be an option. Even, that doesn't mean viruses don't exist if you don't want to, you know, tackle that discussion. It's just, it's easy to be an illusion, you know? And so that bringing over into the monkeypox conversation, it's like, maybe, maybe that's what's happening. I don't know if I even believe that though, because I definitely feel like I've seen or talk to people that feel that they've dealt with something, but that could be psychosomatic, you know, so it's, it's, it's hard to know, but it's very clear. The one thing we can see that we're all seeing me talking about now is this very obvious, as Whitney says, technocratic panopticon that's like literally building out in rapid succession right now. And my title today was like, while we argue about mass and, and, and knockdowns, which are, we need to be, that's happening. It's like, we're still going, masks don't work. And it's like, we've already won this battle. <laughs> it's very obvious and the science is clear. They just don't want to accept it. Maybe that's what this is all about. Drawing out this whole thing so they can let this build until it's too late. Well, that, that, that's what I was saying, though, because that, that is how political, dialectical political warfare works. Right. You, know, you have the attack and then you have the sides. You create binary traps and then both sides are busy fighting over it while they're busy firing the next shots. Right. And, right. So, you know, and then we're going to be left in the dust because we're still busy battling the last battles and they're so far ahead. That is how it works. So I, I that was why I was saying I think it, it, we need to be very cognizant of that and prepare people because a lot of reminding people about what was happening over the past few years, even though some of the measures may have lifted. That doesn't mean that they're not preparing to clamp down again. It may be under the same premise and it may be under, you know, some whatever new narrative they want to create. You know, it really doesn't matter. They're going to use whatever they think works at that time. And they're using this as beta testing to figure out what they think is going to work. Talk about some of the beta testing. Me and Steve had uh, some guests on from South Africa and what's going on over there. Almost very identical to everything we witnessed in the States, you know, uh, which uh, I think was very similar, not only the international health regulations that they were just trying to change upon amendments. I think they did the same thing in New York so they don't have to go around, uh, you know, uh, the assemblies and whatnot and just try to slip them in. And they had this big pushback in South Africa, everything from isolation uh, to forced uh, uh, vaccine to leave uh, headset uh, camp wherever they decide to put you and whatnot uh, to the lockdowns, the mask, again, everything. So it's very scary because they do have them, you know, in all these different spots around the globe and they can just flick that switch at any single time. Everything's right in place. There's still a national health emergency, which there's uh, now an emergency for monkeypox, too, as well. People don't talk about it. And, you know, my question would be, and I was going to ask Dr. H is if Paxlovid is a treatment now for COVID, why are there any emergency use authorizations left? 
for any of the vaccine. Isn't that the rule that there can't be uh, I, any I alternative that, treatment there? I mean, I, I think can somebody explain that to me. That's something Robert Barnes had brought up. But you know what's much more important than that entirely is the fact that there are two approved, even if they're not being used, injections. The moment that they approve something for COVID, that should that's a that you can read it right on the page for emergency use authorization. By the way, which is not an approval. I can't stand that state. It's not an approval. It's emergency use authorization versus Mm -hmm. approval. But the frustrating part is it says it right there. And Pasta's point that they have alternative treatments. And that includes vitamin D, that includes ivermectin, hydroxy, all these things. But they approved spike vax and comirnaty. I agree that they're sitting on the shelf if they're even not, maybe not even made. So it's not like legitimate, but my God, they're approved and they said that it should be over. Right. That's it. It's all legal. They're, they're estimating $22 billion in sales for uh, Paxlovid, FYI. <laughs> and also want to just share that Mark Grinon of Genesis Church got taken away from Columbia to join the rest of the family. So I, I haven't heard from him in, in two weeks, but he still hasn't had a trial. It's been two years because chlorine dioxide works and mm-hmm. uh, it's a tragedy. Yep. Ricky is the best at making these episodes. He's like, he has, Ricky, you have a bright future as a social engineer. You get all these people and these personalities together and you make, you never know what you're going to get. You stir it up. I swear to God, this was the most fascinating conversation I think I've ever heard. And the Tavistock Institute is going to recruit him. No shit. (laughs) No shit. It's great. Hey, Steve, um, what are you and pasta doing on Rockfin every morning? What's going on over there? Uh, we're killing it, and you should pull up for it. Um, I'm on your schedule for, I think, Wednesday. You are, in fact. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, Wednesday. That's right. That's Wednesday. Um, and Whitney Webb will be on Thursday. And uh, Kingsley and Aaron Edwards from Float will be on tomorrow. And uh, Tom Luongo on Friday. Will be on Tom Luongo. Um, for, uh, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on the West Coast. Uh, Rockfin, uh, we have a PeerTube instance. It's up and running and streaming uh, fully now. That's all good. Um, Odyssey, DLive, uh, I think sometimes Twitter. Um, yeah, it's apocalypse prep and dick jokes. So get your news six to 12 months in advance. Learn how uh, you can, you know, get ready for the, the, uh, or avoid the really oncoming technocratic panoptical con, get your laugh on and, and uh, uh, see interviews with fascinating and brilliant people like Charlie Robinson of the Macroaggressions podcast. Thank you. And, and uh, Ryan positive. drops in a lot too, so you should pull up for that. Yeah, it, it is yeah. tomorrow. Is, uh, tomorrow's T Lab Tuesday, uh, Steve. <laughs> I just I, I got you, Ryan. Tomorrow is T Lab Tuesday. Hopefully, we'll get a call from T Lab. We always love him jumping in on Tuesdays. We have a John F. O'Donnell Thursdays. So yeah, like uh, Steve said, pull on up. Of course, I got the combo couch too as well. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. How's V uh, like in Russia? She's loving Moscow. She really is. She's at home. She loves it right there. You know, awesome. she's uh, she's killing it herself. You can go on Rumble, check her out too as well. Go to RT live stream and uh, that late night hour. Uh, you know, she's kind of rocking it over there. So we're still having a lot of fun. Uh, the fun panels. We had a, a panel on uh, healthcare last week, and uh, we got some more fun panels up ahead. So yeah, uh, AM wake ups Monday through Friday, seven AM to ten AM. And the combo couch Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon on the West Coast. Please 
jump on in. Thanks again, Ricky. Fastest for having growing us morning podcast in the planet, right? I it's think so. There. Speaking of T Lab, what are you guys doing? What have you been censored from this week? It's Monday. <laughs> you want to open that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I already know Twitter a couple days ago. Well, I just, you know, I've had probably since last time we spoke, four Twitter accounts removed. My server's being attacked right now, but, you know, it's a day, day in the life of TLAV. But uh, I, my new show for Rockfin is called Moving Target. On that note, by the way, pretty much everybody, I will just, everybody on the show right now, reach out to me. I'd love to have you on. The whole point is about the same kind of idea, right? It's like kind of based in the idea of we're, we're all moving targets, right? They're trying to not, like, it's like the whack-a-mole right now. We're all trying to, you know... Some of us more than others, obviously, popping <laughs> like a thousand Twitter accounts. But the point being that anybody right now that's doing this and trying to fight back, it's like I'd like to have you on and talk about your experience. And I just had uh, Carrie Wed. You guys know Carrie Wedler, remember her? She, she's yeah. doing amazing work still. But anti media, my God, the the Free Thought Project. Now she just talked to uh, Jason Bassler from the Free Thought Project. I just tweeted at him like like an hour ago because I saw a, a meme that I knew he would appreciate because it was sh- shitting on the cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we're doing there, and more stuff coming everywhere else. By the way, from you know Whitney and Derek and Robert. Rob, by the way, Robert's been breaking some. I mean, you know, you guys see what's going on in Gaza right now. It's absolutely horrific, and he's been really breaking that down. We're talking about doing a documentary about the the transitioning perspective of what Israel actually is, right? I mean, Beth Selim, Amnesty International. Uh, uh, Human Rights Watch all over the last year have come out and called it an open apartheid state, Jewish supremacy. Not my words. I'm not a racist. That's what they're saying as human rights organizations. You know, it's, it's important to see this over the windows has been broken in that conversation. Anyway, it's just, it's good work coming from all angles. Uh, Derek, by the way, I'm not going to get into what it is, has a huge investigation underway right now that we're going to be breaking pretty soon. I know what that's about. Um, Miriam, we read your, Ricky and I read your activist post article last night. And, and, and everybody needs to go over to activist post and read it. I shared it in the, um, I shared it here. I, I didn't mean, cause I need to focus on my George Floyd book and doc that's coming along. I'm, I'm, uh, I've partnered up with Sean Hibbler, so I'm so excited. The documentary is going to be so fucking awesome. Um, But I went on the segue into this monkeypox because there was this article circulating on NPR about this doctor in Nigeria that noticed that it had jumped to genitals. And uh, so, yeah, the pursuit of looking at where was Billy Boy led me down and and, uh, I I lay it down. So I, I... Thank you. Please do go and see it. And because I got thrown in jail last week, my latest in the long list of assaults is that I've now lost my Venmo. And then they also went after my employee who got really freaked out. But I'm an OG. So he lost his PayPal and uh, I'm used to the attacks as well. So I'm doing a a monkeypox video, music video with a, a, a Tyson James song because my music dance videos get like, I know, thousands of views where my my amazing interviews with interesting people get less than a hundred. You can find me on Rockfin. Truth lives here. I'm going to be interviewing Courtney this week. And then I'm also interviewing an author of a book called drug cartels do not exist. Narco trafficking and culture in the U S and Mexico um, next week. So thank you for having me here with all your lovely people. That sounds Here, awesome. I want to have you on as well on the new show. So reach out to me since our, we talked last time. I would love that, Ryan. Speaking of Courtney, Courtney Turner, what are you doing? What are you working on? 
So what am I, I, I recently got kicked off Twitter this week. That was my, oh, my latest assault. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to make other, um, you know, profiles, but they, they kept tracking me. So yeah, <laughs> that didn't work out, but, uh, so I, I yeah. feel like Ryan could teach a class on how to get around that stuff. I'm, I'm telling you guys start pirate accounts. Like that's what, that's what, if you don't know what that is briefly, no. Repeat. I, all I did a long time ago with YouTube, and I'm doing it with Twitter. I'm doing it with Instagram. I'm doing it with Facebook. I, I'm basically saying like audience, and it used to be pretty taboo, and it kind of is still. But yeah. they're open to it. I said, just send me your login credentials if you don't mind your account being used to you know continue this work. And so, and YouTube it just exploded. I've literally had like 50 plus accounts censored and removed already, and I've got probably 20 more of my emails ready to use in the wings. I just added a new one today, and every time I go live, it's a channel with like four subscribers, and it gets like three thousand views. And so, it's breaking through to a degree. And so, my point is, they send it to you, use it. And Twitter, I'm on like my fifth account right now, so that way you don't have to keep being the person, you know, crawling back to them and going, oh, okay, I'll make another account. You know, right. let them be the ones attacking their own resources and just keep pumping out your content. You know, that's. I I fucking love that so much. I feel so, like so wait, you're, you're, you're using other, so other people send you their credentials. So you're basically using other people's accounts to put your content. Pretty much. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see with Twitter. They know that I'm going to basically take over the account. I don't mind. They can jump in and tweet if they want. People know that, it, but they don't for the most part. They let right. me use it. And I, I usually change the name, but I leave. I, I, I don't change the at symbol. So it's this just whoever right now I'm using at Enigma's tell kit, whatever that's from. And it says T-Lab censored. And I just, you know, I just keep going and I'm, it's going to be censored again. I know it, but I, I, I love, I can't wait to get to the point with YouTube where they start going, okay, wait a minute. This guy just keeps coming back and we keep censoring, <laughs> it. you know, and it's like one after the other, the next day he's back. How is this happening? Cause you're not supposed to be able to do that. They say you can't come right. back. Yeah, I know. So it's, that's I what they told me. <laughs> if we all start doing this, it literally right. makes our censorship meaningless, right? It's if we collect like this on discord or somewhere else and make that the central point and then just go, okay, here's the account we're using today. Everybody jumps over. It's a little bit more complicated with Twitter because the following is the problem. You know, sure. yeah. what I have doing now is I've got about five or six people with other accounts. They're just they're just building the following and they're following people that we grow with. And so it's just it's get ready for the next one. You know, it's that's so awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah, we should all do that. That is really awesome. Yeah. Beat, beat, beat their own algorithms and beat I, their. I, yeah, I totally. know YouTube is it's I, I'm telling you, just, I, I can't know for sure, but the way that yeah. they respond and act and the way that there's new new things happening and new ways they're trying to stop it, like four different levels of security checks that I have to go. It's like yeah. they know what's happening and it must at right. some point be like there must be some resource conversation. <laughs> I'm like, how many accounts can they maintain suspended forever? So they're not gone. They're, they're still right. like you're chipping away suspended. money, you know, I love it. <laughs> at some point, they, there was one morning that it was I think it was literally eight people who had done an interview with me, messaged me like within the span of two hours to tell me their video was taken down. I was like, did they create an algorithm for me? I mean, this is like <laughs> ridiculous Good for you. Well, they took you off Twitter, but where else can people? Where find else you? Okay, so we can find me on Rockfin. You can find nice. me on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute. Um, and I'm on a bunch of the audio platforms. So I'm on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, C-Suite, uh, Podbean. Yeah. So you can find me on all those. And it's the Courtney Turner podcast. It's Courtney is how I spell my name. C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. And, uh, yeah, I release on Mondays, uh, Thursdays and Fridays. I just released one today that was four and a half hours, Jeez. uh, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> and really, really important. Uh, I thought about breaking it up, but I felt like it was such heavy material that I didn't want people to 
have to wait till Thursday and then forget what they had listened to and right like they can listen to it on their own time I don't expect people to listen to it all four and a half hours at once but I didn't want them to have to wait till Thursday either so there's that and uh I am performing in October. So if anybody is in the, uh, I'll remind people as it gets closer, but if you're in like the middle Tennessee area, I will be doing aerial acrobatics. I will be giving a speech and Jay Dyer is going to give a speech as well. So sweet. I mean, I'm in, I'm in Franklin. What? I'm in Frank. I'm in Franklin near Nashville. I'm in Franklin. No way. That's yeah. Crazy. What is yeah. There we go. Yeah. We should, we should, we should do an in-person Podcast. Yeah, for sure. Hey guys, for sure. your outside lights. See if you live near each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But Courtney, I feel like you're going to need to have a conversation with Matt Raymer over at Content Safe because it sounds like I already introduced them. Yes, yes, I already podcast as well. Yeah. All right. It's good. Just so we know, because Matt's doing outstanding work. What's going? What's going yeah. on with yeah, you? Yeah, Matt, Matt has saved me tremendously because uh, yeah, it gets yeah. a bit shoot well, and Odyssey you- are not easy because they have to be compressed so much. So right. yeah. So Matt, I'm very very grateful for all his help and. I have all these. Uh, there are other platforms I'm going to upload too. I just have that he's introduced me to. So nice. yeah, very grateful to Matt. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you didn't know about us already, we are a, a workflow automation company. We do we primarily focus content on content creators and aiding them in the distribution of their materials to all other platforms. And we're growing all the time in terms of platforms we support. Uh, plus features. Um, I've just recently added a, a workflow for changing the digital formats of the videos automatically so that I don't have to mm-hmm. worry about downloading them and changing them and shoving it back into the system, <laughs> um, which does happen sometimes if a new problem emerges. But it's a complicated landscape, and I really enjoy the work. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's part of my effort. Uh, I've been following uh, this community for over a decade and um i i really feel that uh, this is the one thing i can do to help out and i want to if you want to interview me sometime any of y'all can just drop me a email at matthew.ramer yeah it was such a fun interview yeah i love it yeah i love interviews and uh, I, I even have my own little podcast, which kind of got put on the shelf for a while. I know it's, we did it. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. You know, you were yeah. my, I, I, you were my favorite interview. Uh, I was like I, your absolutely. only interview. I was your first, I was your only interview. No, I had another one. I had oh, okay. America, <laughs> but uh, it, it just got too much. I had too many things on my table to do I it understand. the way I wanted to do it. It's a, it's, it's a full-time job. It it's really a full-time is. job. And when you have a full-time job, like Midnight Mike doing extra podcasts is a lot of work. But I'll tell you what, it's worth it when you're doing OBDM, the funniest podcast in the world. Yes, it is indeed fun. I'm working right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm going well, through my, my, my queue over at, here. Uh, contentsafe.co. I'll probably reach out to you. I think Scott from Rebunked is, uh, yeah, I mean, he was the one that told me about to reach out to you. Yeah. Yeah. And my, actually, Ryan, my, uh, my office, I, I live in the Philippines, but I have a U.S. based LLC and my office is in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Good. That's close. Nice. I feel yeah. like Mike was saying so when you come to, when you come to your office, you'll have to meet up with us. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, I, 
let's see how things go as far as the economy and business, but uh, that that's possible. Uh, I, I think that just a, an aside about COVID here in the Philippines, yeah. uh, I get the feeling, I mean, the, the number of people dying here is astronomical, uh, but they're not admitting it, of course. Uh, my wife's village in, in one of the islands near here uh, has about 3,000 plus people and we've been keeping tabs on her village via Facebook. And the number of people who've died after being vaccinated under the age of 50, but over the age of 18, is over 200 in the last year and a half. Hmm. So oh, there's wow. really no good uh, explanation. Uh, these pe- some of these people are, you know, they're under the age of 50. They're healthy. Um, and... Um, that's another reason that I'm quite passionate about helping my content creators. Well, we out. appreciate everything that you do, Matt. We for, do. For Thanks, Charlie. Uh, Ricky Verandas is running the best long-form interview. I think he's better than Rogan. Absolutely. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, he also covers the stuff that Rogan doesn't talk about for like exactly. a year or two down the road. Even then, maybe it's not even accurate. And yeah, yeah really, yeah, yeah, way better. Ricky's outstanding at what he does, but I also would add that he's probably one of the best people that I know. Well, I don't know. I've never met you, Ricky, but like you're just a good person, man. Just to shout that out to everybody. You just do that. No, I mean, being serious, you know, like you just said, there's few people you meet in, in life, but in this field in general, where you can just sense that somebody has good intentions, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. I, that's Ricky. That's the first person I think of. Oh, thank you. I appreciate oh. Yeah. Well, uh, the Ripple Effect podcast. Yeah. It, it's very Rogan-esque. He, when I started in 2013, he was a big inspiration. Um, I feel like my yeah. show is rogan's but without all the self-censoring and and being exactly rabbit holes and all that stuff but very uh it's similar obviously i've been a huge fan of all you everybody who's on the show even before i started my podcast many of you guys have been uh, a part of the movement and doing work and and been a huge inspiration of mine but uh, yeah the ripple effect podcast.com you can find uh that show anywhere um audio podcasts are available the video thanks to uh the hard work at content safe matt's been a lifesaver um i've been working with matt for a while luckily he uh he started uh uploading my my videos everywhere prior to getting kicked off youtube uh thanks to him i wasn't panicking or worried when i got got kicked off youtube uh, after robert malone and mccullough and all those guys were coming on um you can find the show now everywhere you know band video uh float um bit shoot rockfin all all the places so if somebody listening is a content creator and you're worried about getting kicked off youtube or you're just worried about spending too much time uploading to one platform that eventually will be obsolete and that is a concern because obviously we don't know which platform is going to be the next big uh platform well content safe can help with that because i upload to one platform and then he syncs it to all the other platforms so it saves you a lot of time and as matt said uh one thing i love about matt is that he's not just somebody who has a tool and a company that can help content creators he's a fan of this stuff i mean he's motivated by helping us keep our work out there so these important conversations can reach people regardless if we're getting censored or whatnot so uh without a doubt and from the bottom of my heart i love this show um i, I know uh it's 
Charlie and some of the guys give me credit for. I mean, it sometimes it just it it always seems to work out. You're a mad scientist, man. I'm <laughs> telling you. I mean, I, I you know, but I think it says something about the community. I mean, we have this amazing community that you bring these people together, and they can be from all different backgrounds and and maybe differ in opinions on uh, on little details, but. Uh, everybody's so nice and everybody has been uh, a pleasure to to get to know. And I mean, I hope as the show grows, it can help other people. I mean, one thing I love about the Union Done Wanted is that uh, as this show grows, hopefully everybody else who participates in it will also grow with it. And uh, which is, you know, kind of Rogan-esque also because mm -hmm. of the fact that, uh, you know, he helps, he's helped out a lot of other people and hopefully we can do the same for other content creators and, and all help each other. And, and, you know, when one of us wins, we all win. And uh, I think that's really mm -hmm. important. Uh, that we all kind of support each other any way we can because we're all dealing with issues with censorship and and all that stuff uh so without a doubt and congrats to a, a union of the unwanted um founding father uh sam tripley for being on rogan's uh recently yep. so, which right. was awesome too so uh, as sam grows hopefully this show will, will will continue to grow and and we all help each other out and we all grow together so um but yeah thank you so much everybody for always taking time to come on the show uh, for showing up, even if I email you last second, <laughs> and um, and and thank you so much. I really appreciate it. everybody's super busy. Everybody has their own projects and their own lives, and uh, so I really appreciate everybody coming on. Macroaggressions available in audio format everywhere, in video format on David Ike's iconic platform right here on Rockfin Odyssey band.video. You can follow me on Twitter at macroaggression. You can buy my books. They're available uh, from the devil at Amazon. And my website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. Mike, where's the You nailed it. Like the name of that. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're wrapping up or not, guys, but my pup is screaming at me, so I'm going to let you go. Great talk with you guys. Bye -bye. Yeah, we're wrapping up. Bye, everybody. Bye. We're good. You can go to obdmpod.com. Last but not least... <laughs> I never have guests on. They just get in the way. <laughs> so we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks, everyone. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Great job. <laughs> <laughs>